This is the life. Sun, sand, sea. Senoritas! Seems my charm's working after all. A bit too well. Proof that girls find catfish sun irresistible. Ahoy, pod fans, and welcome to Desert Island Pitch, episode three. If you're ever marooned on a desert island, the first thing that you do, the first thing that anyone would do, is convert it into a football stadium complex with bamboo and palm fronds. Our castaway this month is the founding editor of Unusual Efforts, and now a regular voice on the Unusual Efforts unusual f pod kirsten schlewitz hello kirsten hi it's actually kirsten by the way yeah uh, it's uh, it's one of those english things i think yeah, yeah. you've anglicized it but i do i do apologize and i <laughs> apologize for any future instances because it will happen <laughs> i'm sure there's plenty of names on my list that will also have a stumble yes there, there's, there's almost certainly going to be some anglicised catastrophes. Okay, but we'll we'll make do. <laughs> First of all, it is I think important to point out that you are without question our most international castaway yet in terms of uh, the the scope of the the teams across the world that you have seen and loved. I mean. Can you give a potted history of uh, your footballing development? Well, mine is actually fairly short. I came into football um, around 10 years ago, a little more than 10 years ago, while I was sick and needed a distraction. Um, So I picked a team. I picked Aston Villa. uh, And then Aston Villa (laughs) fell to pieces. (laughs) Um, so it went from there and then I branched out into Italy and then I branched out into Germany and now that I live in Belgrade um, I know some things about the Balkans and particularly Red Star yeah I think that they are uh, without question the team from Serbia that people in England know about Um, yes we I, I I know of Partizan, but I only know of Partizan because they are famously the uh, competitors in the derby against exactly. Red Star. Yeah. So that's you know that's a lot of that's a lot of countries. It's a lot of uh, different teams. Oh, and the U.S. of course, obviously. Uh, Who do you, who's your team in the U.S.? The Seattle Sounders. Okay, I'm I'm not up to speed with uh, MLS. I'm actually, I'm a Seattle Sounders fan for MLS and then for NWSL, 
I'm a Portland Thorns fan, so I'm a very strange split there, and some people really don't care for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's perfectly permissible. It's always... I think in one of the early episodes of the F-Pod, you were discussing uh, the importance of uh, always having a team, always having a, a horse in the race, because where's where's the fun in it otherwise, you know? Let's... <laughs> Exactly. Let's, uh, let's get down to brass tacks here. This is tribalism. I don't know. I mean, I've got about, what, seven or eight teams, all within about 40 miles of each other. Oh, you wow. Know, I don't know. What, 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 I mean, I've got, what, there's Spurs, Enfield, St Albans, I suppose, Brighton, Worthing-ish. And that's five. I'm not having St Albans, I suppose. You you followed that team home and away. I for did. Years. I did. Years. I did. It was because me. It was, it was because my mates went. You know, it's very oh, okay. strange. I was a very solitary football supporter when I was a teenager. It used to be the thing that I did on my own. Oh god. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> but then when I got into my twenties, especially when I kind of got back from university and tried to. I've had a go at settling into being an adult. It became much more a social activity. That is uh, inspiring. You know, it, it went from yeah, it went from being about the football to being about the day out. That's what I always experienced in England when I, whenever I went, whenever somebody invited me, it wasn't just one person taking me along. It was a whole group. It always did seem like the day out, especially like the lower level. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think that if you're not doing it on your own, then that's the best way to do it. But it's also the way that probably guarantees that you'll watch the least football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and possibly end up the most addled after. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's begin your Desert Island selection. This is your team that are going to play a friendly against the 1970 Brazil World Cup team, the, the greatest football team that's ever existed. They just are. Let's start with the kit. What uh, what are your team going to turn out in? Well, um, as will be revealed soon enough, they obviously need to wear a Puma kit because Puma is well known for making the tightest kits known to man. <laughs> uh, where you can see the players' abs straight through the, the jerseys. Yeah. So it'll be Puma kit. I would prefer a... Palermo type pink. Oh, nice shade. Yeah, that's very tasteful. Um, with with a little white piping. I thought about black, but Brazil desert island type thing seems. We should go with the lighter yeah, I like colors. It. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Those you could just go for the flesh colored kit. Well, you know? I mean those. Pu- <laughs> I could, but I I believe that the pink will set off the complexions of most of my mm. players. Yeah, there you go. See, that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a level of thought, yeah, isn't it? That's the that's a pro answer. <laughs> a le- that's attention to detail. <laughs> There's a lot of detail in this. I promise. <laughs> I mean, th- those puma kits might as well just spray them on in a car garage really they they are that tight there was like that one piece thing that the cameroon team had at the was that the african cup of nations yes or was it did they actually have that at a world cup i can't remember they tried to they tried to wear a um singlet Complete. for the world cup i remember that yeah that and, and yeah FIFA that, that, threw that, a hissy yeah. fit in case you know i don't know um, yeah. Shoulders are forbidden. Yeah, shoulders are forbidden. But actually, what it is is probably uh, decreased advertising space on sleeves. 
I would have thought was the mm-hmm. real reason. Um, I think there was probably a hint of racism about it. <laughs> and that. <laughs> Good old FIFA. I'd, uh, I'd not really considered it in any great detail before, but actually now that I think of it, the I, it kind of ties in with this kind of fear of the 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 big black man you know it's 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 all lumped in with that isn't you're it? saying they're trying to keep a brother down to prevent african teams from freely expressing themselves and winning the world Cup. um well I, I, I wouldn't quite extrapolate it that far <laughs> but um i would but i would say that you know that that would a European team making a similar request have been denied so flatly by FIFA? Well, there's only one way I, to find I'm, out, isn't there? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not sure I'm ready for Harry Maguire I think a, in a single... Well, I don't know. I mean, a post-Brexit England kit could be string vest. How about that? I mean, oh, try that one out. Union Jack, Union, no, well, no, yeah, Union. St George's flag, wouldn't it? It'd be a St George's, George's flag, flag handkerchief. handkerchief tied on your head, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, Union Union Jack uh, Bermuda shorts. Well, it won't be Union Jack not after Brexit. Oh no, well, not not for long. <laughs> not for long. Every one of our castaways is uh, also invited to make an addition to the stadium, the Desert Island Stadium. So far, we've had a cast iron turnstile installed, and we've also had the clock from Hamburg's stadium, which counted up the amount of time they'd been in the Bundesliga. I think your addition to the stadiums actually going to be quite complimentary to Hamburg's clock because it is the scoreboard from Red Star's Maracanã Stadium. Yes, and unfortunately it is very difficult to describe, so I hope somehow the listeners can get a picture of it or something. Um, I was I was sent a photo of it this afternoon, so I've seen it. Okay. Um, essentially... so, I, so also, I can upload it onto the internet. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Possibly in the blog post. Yeah. Who knows? Well, I mean, if it's the gift that I sent you, uh, it's also it, you see it in in all of its glory because it's moving. It it does need all of its glory. Um, I guess I would kind of describe it as an eight bit sort of scoreboard. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that's futuristic when seen from the past. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Um, it's. Essentially, when a player scores a goal, this little stick man puts his hands up in a V and then moves them from left to right in a very awkward motion (laughs) that looks like a 1980s video game, more or less. And it's so so adored that they actually made shirts of this little uh, scoreboard figure, which I own because I find it the most exciting thing. Whenever I go to a game that's not a derby... I'm essentially just staring at the scoreboard waiting for a Red Star goal so I can dance like the little guy on the scoreboard. <laughs> that's that's what everyone else is doing. I mean, yeah, it's a fantastic thing. It's, it reminds me a little bit of um, the, the sort of stadium from Moscow 1980 Olympics or something. That, it's that kind of era technology. That it's, sort of, it's bold and it's chunky and it's, as I say... Once was absolutely cutting edge, and that should not diminish the fact that it is no longer cutting edge. Does not, in my view, 
diminish its engineering achievement. What year was it um, installed? Do we know? I I don't know. I'd be interested to know. Yeah, really. I'm not sure anything at that stadium. Well, obviously they had to do uh, a little bit of renovation to allow Champions League teams to um, play there. But mm. essentially it doesn't look like it's been updated since 1963 at all yeah i was wondering whether because i mean it's even though it it wasn't a soviet country was it yugoslavia it's got that mildly soviet aesthetic about it it, definitely does the brutalism Um, yeah yeah it's it's tito the thing i like about it is is. that it is it doesn't quite fit into the space that it occupies there's a there's a a gap uh because the 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 roof of the stadium is curved but it's it's thoroughly and uh scrupulously rectangular so you've got this uh, increasing tapering gap between the roof and the and the scoreboard. I'm assuming, like everything else in this city, it was just the low bid by some politician's brother, <laughs> and, and so they they made no attempts to actually make it fit in with its surroundings. They just were like, "Well, uh, you know, my cousin's uncle can do this, and we'll." Yeah let him have a little graft here he's come by this scoreboard it more or less fits yeah he's done a fine job makes sense makes sense he's done a fine job and now it's helicoptered in like a like a brontosaurus on jurassic park i'm not sure if that actually happened in jurassic park or if i'm just imagining Um, i think it was the velociraptors let's let's get on to the the team the, the 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 meat who are going to the meet is correct <laughs> who are going to perform in this uh, friendly they're in almost spandex tight puma pink and white kits and they are looking pretty fine <laughs> um in in goal uh to start you've gone with Jan Sommer who is the Swiss international goalkeeper yes and the Gladbach keeper yes Absolutely, and they they are they are your German team. They are yes, and in addition to Jan Sommer, when he's having a good day, being able to stop pretty much anything that comes his way, he is obviously beautiful, which is part of the requirement of my entire team. But he takes amazing photographs, so he can document. Well, my team is clearly keeping the 1970 team far away from his goal and he can cook ah. which we need on the desert island oh, you see again this is you you've given this a layer of thought that frankly we haven't <laughs> but of course <laughs> of course you're going to need someone who's going to be able to cook because uh, uh, you know as we've said before once you know the match has finished you are all then sort of stuck on a desert island so <laughs> yeah I'm, I know. I'm all in favour. I'm all in favour. He, uh, as I say, is the current Swiss international goalkeeper. He's represented Switzerland at three tournaments, um, and he, he's he's done great things with uh, Gladbach. Uh, they they once he signed for them, went on immediately went on one of their best runs in many many years. 
I'm I didn't know if I was supposed to jump in there because right now I'm not too pleased with Gladbach. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it's not entirely his fault, and and he can. Cook. It's not his fault. They'd probably be a hell of a lot worse if uh, he wasn't in that goal. The defense now. As a as a, a warning, you know, no spoilers here, but as a, as a warning for for everybody, there's not a lot of defence in this team. They they they. So what the defence is? I hadn't spotted what an attacking lineup this is. Yeah, it's a it's a very attacking lineup. Um, Should I ex- explain my strategy? Well, I mean, yeah. If, I if, think if I've got feel, a vague idea you, of what this strategy if, might if you be. Feel that you need to, I don't feel that you need to justify it at all. But it, I mean, no, go, if you but, want but to tactically ahead, uh, uh, express your vision, then go ahead. So, so obviously, it's it's very difficult to create a real team from all the players that have ever existed that could face this 1970 team. So, like others, I went with a theme, and my theme was players I actually would like to be stranded on a desert island with. Absolutely. Yes. Flawless reasoning. Yes. So, in so doing, I realized that there is a lack of defensive attractiveness out there in the world. Um, And I also realized that for some reason I have a thing for left-sided attackers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's very specific. But but hear me out here, Carlos Alberto. Yeah, that's true. Generally considered one of the best right backs that has ever played the game. Yeah. Therefore, overloading my left side actually makes a little bit of sense. It's true. Uh, I mean, okay. And, and one, at least one of them might be able to the track Jarzinho. <laughs> but who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I. It's um, like I say, it is a bold. It is a bold team. Yeah, um, when you're going to pick a two-man defence, what you want is a, <laughs> a solid and sturdy and dependable uh, two-man defence as you can get. And I think that you've achieved it. Um, you've gone for Olaf Melberg and Branislav Ivanovic, both players that um, English football fans are very familiar with. Yes, I, I actually put on. A call on Twitter that was that I said, has any Aston Villa player ever been truly attractive? Because if you look at their lineups, I mean, Golden Cowell. I mean, <laughs> there have been some very, very unattractive Villa players through that, the that past decade. That nineteen eighty-two European Cup team, yeah. Well, um, I mean, you had what, Jimmy Rimmer in goal. He looks like that Muppet, doesn't he? He looks like uh, <laughs> he looks. He look. Jimmy Rimmer looks like the 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 Muppet kind of. Is he like a kind of bellkeeper or something like that? You know, like a Quasimodo sort of figure. <laughs> the team, the team that won the uh, eighty-two European Cup, looked like people who got chucked out of Dexys with Night Runners. <laughs> it's they, they're a bleak lot. Um, it's it's been a theme for the club for quite some time but i did narrow every everyone on my team has played within the last 10 years at least and i'm fairly sure they've been active on the pitch in the last five years yeah so Mm -hmm. i kept it restricted to that and of course the unanimous call from villa fans was hello olaf 
Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's 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 worth pointing out uh, that people don't know about Aston Villa that they would probably have picked him for anything just as a as a reflex because he's so beloved of Aston Villa fans. I'm 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 expecting there to be a little pocket of uh, adults called Olaf coming out of <laughs> Birmingham in the near future. Huge, hugely, hugely beloved figure, and uh, um, I'm well aware. And we, we, it doesn't take a lot of uh, probing and prodding to get this out of him. But Chris Knee in one of our World Cup podcasts, uh, a fellow Aston Villa supporter, just described him as one of the four greatest players of all time. So, <laughs> and he was definitely one of the first to respond back to me and be like, I. Are you kidding me with asking this? Of course, this is the man. He does have that traditional Scandinavian hewn from granite look to him. Absolutely. Those cheekbones. Yeah. He's a, he is a wall of beef. He's a man who's seen, he's seen a long winter or two. <laughs> I found, the thing I found out about Olaf Melberg is that until he was 14, he was going to be a professional tennis player rather than a professional football player. Uh, so I've looked at him differently since I can see tennis in him. But I think he I think he chose the right career. I, I don't necessarily see that he would have had the wherewithal to uh, dethrone Roger Federer in his era. But, you know, Roger Federer ever score against England in a European Championship match? No, he didn't. <laughs> the other... The other Choice Branislav Ivanovic, um, a Serbian player who's well known for his time at Chelsea and well known for being, as Wikipedia puts it, Luis Suarez's second bite victim. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, it's I did not good. even think of that. On the right arm, I believe. I, I, the two the two notes I've made for him is uh, that he's the most capped Serbian international of all time, and it was on the right arm that he was bitten by Luis Suarez. On the yeah, it was on the kind of forearm. Yeah, forearm, yeah. yeah, he wasn't trying to hide it, was he? <laughs> no. Uh, no, that was on the twenty first of April, twenty thirteen. How time flies when um, you've been bitten by Luis Suarez. <laughs> Yeah, he's also actually extraordinarily successful. Uh, his time at Chelsea, he's still active and uh, plays for St Petersburg now, I believe. Um, when he was at yeah. Chelsea, he won three Premier League titles, three FA Cups, the UEFA Cup, the European Cup, the League Cup, and the 2009 Charity Shield. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the full set. I can't think. I mean, he. Chelsea weren't in a league where they qualified for the LDF Vans trophy at that time. So <laughs> well, no, no. So that as far as I'm concerned, that is a full that out, is the full it, out. well, you know, what's missing? The World Cup. Yeah, well, um, that's not going to happen. That, that's not not with Serbia, isn't no, I think I Jose Mourinho is a huge Ivanovic fan and just uh, is uh, I, I, you know, on record as saying that he is the complete defender. He is everything that you want from a defender, and that's a good job because there's only two defenders. He is one of them, and you're gonna you're gonna have a job. Yeah, I mean, I, actually, 
to, I was sceptical about a two-man defence, but when you think about, you know, Pele or Tostal bear, bearing down on Olaf Melberg and Branislav Ivanovic, if they've got any sense, they'll turn around and run the other way. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, but the other thing you've got to bear in mind Jan is Because Jan Sommer's that cooking Olaf a Mel- whole pig in the goal now. <laughs> <laughs> the thing you've got to bear in mind is that Olaf Melberg and Branislav Ivanovic are both 400 times as fit. Yeah. As anybody in this Brazil team. It's true. They are better equipped to deal with anything yeah. than this Brazil Especially team. Especially hard winters. Could, would <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they both seem they And both biting. Seem, and, but, well, yeah. And rabies. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's move into uh, midfield. Uh, again, not a lot of midfield in this team. So again, you've, you've got to pick sensibly, um, yeah. and you've gone for Marek Hamsic, the Slovak captain um, and Napoli club legend. It is, I think, fair to say, yes. and Claudio Marchisio, who uh, is an Italian midfielder, who, and he must he must be very very special because he for a very long time played for Juventus and you've still picked him. Yes, this is one of my secret shames. Um, My (laughs) deep and abiding love for Marchisio. Uh, But all you have to do is look at him in a suit and you kind of forget that he plays for Juventus. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Um, I, 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 I can see that straight away. So I just I just had to put him in the team of the top you know, twelve most handsome players that I've ever encountered. There was there was no. no choice. I just choose to pretend that he's only an Italian national and never no. actually wore the black and white stripes. Well, look if you're if you're stuck on a desert island with him, he ain't playing for Juventus. That's true. Good point. Also, he's he's a very versatile midfield player, which I think will be a strength in this team, where you know, cover in certain defensive areas could be required. Uh, yeah, because mm. I don't exactly have a holding midfielder even. Whoops. <laughs> well, I mean, he he can do that. He is he can, extremely yes. flexible. Marek Hamsic, um, brilliant player. Uh, I was surprised to learn uh, the top scorer for Napoli of all time. Uh, yes, when you can when, when you consider the players that they have had, and one in particular. That they have had. Yes, uh, I was taken aback by that statistic. I believe it was just this season that he broke that record, actually. And he also has the most appearances for Napoli. The yes, as well. Uh, Four hundred and eight. So um, I don't know if this is where I'm supposed to say it, but this is my favorite player from my favorite club selection. I yeah oh, right. okay. I I uh, hadn't had these confirmed before, but I'd put a little sneaky asterisk next to him because <laughs> I thought, well, she supports Napoli, and Marek Hamsik is that he is that good a player that you know I did I did have cause to think it it could be him. 
Especially so as he, he doesn't quite fit into the handsome man mold that I'm going for here. Yeah, he he mm. he's more foghorn leghorn than the rest. <laughs> <laughs> he has a certain appeal to certain people. But they are mostly football managers. <laughs> um, most capped Slovak international football player of all time. Considered to be their greatest football player of all time. Which is not actually that bad. Considering that the Czechoslovakia team that won the European Championship in 1976 were almost entirely Slovak. Um, and... Uh, played for about, about 10 years at Napoli. He's just moved to Dalian Yifang in China, which yeah. he's he's only 32 years old, so they must have offered him a lot of money. <laughs> they, they offered him a huge amount, and he's already said he's not doing well, so hopes are high for him to return to Napoli and retire there. He's... Um, He's the only other player that you see in Naples. I I was on uh, in Naples last October, and you when you walk around, you see two football players. Uh, one is Maradona, to the extent that if you didn't know anything about football, you'd just think that he was one of their current players. Yes, or the Pope. Um, yes, he he has his own church, yes. uh, and the other was Hamsik, and I thought that that you know it's fairly high praise. He's he's beloved in that city and really welcomed it as his own, and in that way, the city took him in as their own. So he, I mean, you can never measure up to Maradona and what he did for the team. But I think if Napoli had actually won the title with Hamšík, he would be getting the shrines built to him as well. Yeah. I think that that's a that's probably fair enough. I mean, he he did everything else but yeah. but to win the, the 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 title. And he's, you know, I don't know if he he's better looking now. Uh, than than Maradona was, but he's certainly better looking than Maradona is now. <laughs> we've we've covered the defence, uh, so it's a perfect time to have some halftime refreshment. Every guest gets to choose their choice of the halftime refreshment. Very important in all football games. Um, what what was your pick? Well. Okay, I'm not sure if this translates across oceans, but as a child, when we played soccer, the halftime refreshment was always orange slices and Capri Suns. Wow, that's a double vitamin C hit. Yes, it definitely is. (laughs) But, 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 I will also say that my helicopter has snuck in bottles of rakia. So if <laughs> my strategy is not working at halftime and we're down like 6-0, the players all get to do a nice shot of rakia before they go back on the pitch. I wonder if you could maybe make a cocktail of rakia and Capri Sun. Maybe gar- <laughs> garnished with a slice of orange. <laughs> 
I would look into that, but I don't think we get Capri Sun here. <laughs> huh. <laughs> the the, the uh, slice of orange or the wedge of orange, always uh, very much a, a football trope in England when I was growing up. Okay. It, it was always, oh, you get, you know, you get a cup of tea and an orange at half time. I don't know whether or not one you were playing, Ian, in your Sunday league years, the orange at half time was still. Um, in vogue hmm. me yes sorry. you yeah you sorry Ajax are winning 2-0 <laughs> one. they're really really good they're just so fucking good um, you know no they're they're incredible yeah they're, 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 they're so good I don't know how else but I mean, Spurs have hit the post anyway sorry what was your question were you uh, were you having an orange at half time during your footballing life? Uh, yes, hey! it would be oranges. Of course, it would be oranges or um, is it if occasionally Kippers. if you were lucky a cup a cup of tea. Wow, so uh, um, not, a, not a both an either or situation. Yeah, or a, or a, I mean, when I played Sunday mornings with a hangover. Um, then it was always Lucasite. Oh, well, that's like our Gatorade, right? Yeah, uh, essentially, kinda, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, except it's and it's yellow, and it's it's got a very odd taste. It kind of doesn't really taste like anything at all. Well, essentially, hmm. it's, but, um, it's just raw sugar um, that has been marketed as being good for you. I'm not yeah, quite sure the yeah. jiggery pokery that has happened there, but it, it... <laughs> well, when well, okay, right. Sugar, sugar creates energy. Um, if you are going to do a sport, if you are just about to do a sport, then the calories from sugar are useful to you. You know, yeah, it's not true. it's not always bad news to have too much sugar if you're going to burn up that energy. Um, you know then, that I'm going to put uh, audio from John Barnes' LucasAid Sport advert in now, don't you? Oh, of course you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the that's that's the absolute least of it. After 90 minutes of share help, you're going to get thirsty. This is new isotonic LucasAid Sport. It gets to your thirst fast. Isotonic means it's in balance with your body fluids. But yeah, so so that that would be my you know my pre-game tipple. Yeah, and a cigarette and a cigarette. And a, yeah, a cigarette. <laughs> but no, don't think I I don't think I ever smoked during a match. But. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where you draw the line on it. I don't think on you. I don't think on smoking on the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say uh, if you're on a desert During island the... and you're, you know, losing six 0 to Brazil, then go right ahead. Spark you, yeah, spark yeah. up whatever you want. If you've got them, smoke them. At that point, <laughs> yeah. Does it? it doesn't there really were... matter, does it? <laughs> Sorry, I, I was just remembering my trip to the um, museum, the football museum in Italy, where. Uh, they actually used to have pockets on the kits for the players to stash their smokes in. Oh, they were the days. Nowadays, they <laughs> yeah. just they put their mobile phones in and Instagram 
during corners. And that that's actually possibly what the Barcelona defence were doing in the um, <laughs> European Cup semi final. I refuse to call it the Champions League. So we're we're refreshed. We've we're replete with a cocktail that as yet unnamed cocktail that's made out of Serbian brandy and Capri Suns. Um, Rocky Sun. <laughs> um, let's let's move on to the attacking six, and there, this is an attacking six. I mean, some of these people—if you even put them near a midfield—they burst into flames. These <laughs> these people—they want to attack this six. Um, let's let's start with a, another player who I've asterisked. Because I have a feeling he could be another one of the uh, notable players here. Um, Adem Lajic. Uh Incorrect. Because <laughs> the only one I've got left is the best player I've ever seen live, right? Uh, yes. Okay, so I, I have seen Gajic live, but um, it was from a very high distance at the San Zero in Milan, and I did not have binoculars, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> they, they should install those 20p telescope things. In that stadium, they absolutely should. It was dizzying. Um, Anyone who follows you on Twitter will know about your um, long-standing love of Lyich. Well, yes, I am the president of his fan club. <laughs> uh, he is a, he's still actually very young. Um, he's 25 years old. Yeah, thirty-seven caps. And he's stuck in Turkey. Yeah, thirty-seven caps, uh, eight goals for Serbia. Signed for Manchester United in two thousand and nine, so that would have been a Sir Alex Ferguson thing. But the deal fell through because of work permit issues. So anyone who thinks that the Premier League is going to flourish after Brexit, think again. Um, <laughs> he is also uh, famous for an incident that happened in twenty twelve when. He was substituted off in a game playing for Fiorentina. Um, sarcastically applauded at the manager as he went into the dugout. And the manager, Delio Rossi, went to stick one on him. And they had to be, sep- yep. they had to be separated. He punched him. <laughs> it's, it's lovely. It is. I, I saw it on... The, I was watching it on YouTube and I thought, actually, that's that's as much as... I could ever, re- you know, you don't want you don't want actual acts of violence to break out of a football match. That was that's as far as you want to see, but it's refreshing nonetheless. It, it you don't usually want it to happen within your own team. Though, no, that's, that's not so much. He's also he was dropped by Sinisa Mihailovic from playing for Serbia for refusing yeah, to that's... sing the national anthem. So he's he's had something of a checkered career so far but but the thing about the national anthem and i know this doesn't go with the spirit of the pod but i'd just like to throw it out there because i was talking to someone else about it earlier today um the national anthem is directed toward orthodox christianity yes and adam is a muslim a serbian muslim and usually in this area they people from different ethnicities like he could have chosen to play for Bosnia. They would have accepted him, you know, like Croats in Bosnia often play for the Croatia national team. They just don't cross lines that much. So first of all, he's willing and able to play for the Serbia national team. It's a big deal. He just says, 
I don't want to sing the anthem because it doesn't respect my religion. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't kneel. He just doesn't sing. And yeah. Miha put down this strange rule that said, if you don't sing the anthem, you don't get to play. And that's why he missed a few years and doesn't have as many cups as caps as he should. But he's back. He's not singing. No one except for a few right-wing politicians cares at all. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, I, I that's such a that's a really strange way of dealing with it. I would never sing the national anthem mm. if I was playing for an international football team. I, I would never have done that. It would not even have occurred to me to do it is so. Strange. I don't believe in, I don't believe in God, and I don't really believe in the Queen. <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 it's not so much that I actively don't. You know, I'm an, I'm an, uh, I'm in the agnostic don't care camp and the monarchy doesn't you know um, oh i thought you were talking about the queen yeah <laughs> yeah well, the queen you know the, you know the queen just i don't she doesn't really impact on my life and i don't really impact on hers so i think that that's probably well it's definitely true in one <laughs> in one one direction and probably true in the other well yeah but you know it's it, it's um I find it very difficult to get worked up about it in any way whatsoever. Um, but for so and so, the idea of singing the national anthem is—I I just find it odd. I just find it odd and unnecessary. But the thing is that if I was going out to play for them, I just wouldn't mention it. Then again, I mean, I suppose uh, I wouldn't say anything about it. I'd just yeah. walk out onto the pitch, stand in the line. And then I would not sing it. And then afterwards, if anybody complained about that, I'd be like... What are you going to do? Sub me off? I'm the best player. (laughs) It is. I mean, it is true. Which in itself is symbolic of just the the state that English football must be in at this point. If I'm... Yeah, we, yeah, if, if you're I'm the lining best up player. for the England yeah. I'm lining up for the yeah. England team, they've got bigger problems than worrying about the national <laughs> singing the national anthem and who isn't. It's uh, in a way that uh, that sort of national anthem thing is uh, the Serbian equivalent of our poppies and the wearing oh, yeah. of wear poppies. Oh. Um, I wouldn't wear one of those either. Oh, God. <laughs> Your chances of getting selected for the England team are diminishing. By the minute. Well, I, I I think that Kirsten's probably got a better chance of getting called up for the England team. She's not even eligible. Oh. I won't say my opinion on the poppies then. <laughs> yeah, just keep yeah keep your options open, because you know Gareth Southgate's always on their lookout. Well, I you know like I say, if if other people want to wear them, then you go ahead and wear them. You know, knock yourselves out. But it's just. <laughs> got a bit weird in recent years wear so many poppies you knock yourself out (laughs) asphyxiation under weight of poppies yeah just you know alright just do it but don't don't drag me into it because I don't fucking care well there you go you heard it here first um (laughs) well look Jesus Christ it's not you know it's not that I don't respect the sacrifice or any of that it's more that it's something that you feel inside yourself. It's not something, you know, it's something that you know and understand. This is. You don't need to prove it to anybody. This else. is your fault, Ajax. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> yeah. 
let's let's move on to the next member of the attacking six Thorgan Hazard I've put him out on the right wing although he prefers to play on the left as does everyone as, do, as does everybody else it's going to be congested uh, somebody's got to go on the somebody's right somebody's got to go on the right and unfortunately it was him on the day that I was writing things out okay uh, her younger brother of Eden Hazard uh, and yes. your second Gladbach player on the list. True, but you know, soon he's probably going to be at the other Borussia. So, the other, you know, the other one. Then, then, then we'll kick him off the island. <laughs> Just <laughs> chuck him in the sea. <laughs> yeah, he's a player that uh, I, I don't really know a lot about him um, beyond the fact that he played sparingly during the World Cup. And everybody said, oh, look, that's uh, Eden Hazard. That's the other other Hazard, yeah. Um, I mean, it's tough to talk about Torgan right now because he played amazingly well for the first half of the season, finally kind of came into himself, was leading the team, doing wonderfully. And then, I guess, what is the expression used in? used in England his his head was turned is that right uh, yeah. yeah yeah by in, by right. interest from other clubs and once he kind of realized that his career wasn't going to be with God, Gladbach anymore he he turned it off um so i guess we can punish him by putting him on the right <laughs> yeah uh, but uh you know he still has the really amazing cheekbones and the piercing eyes and winning smile and he just seems to have like a fun little attitude i suppose it is like not right now because he like i said he seems to be leaving the club but in background glimpses of him with both um gladbach and the belgian national team it seems kind of like he's a little bit of a a prankster yeah and he likes to have a little fun with people and i feel like this desert island could use uh, some amusement. I, I think suppose. so. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's very liberating when you are you've reached the level of being an international professional footballer, and you're still not the best player in your own family. <laughs> and there's a third one, actually. There's a yes. third czar, yes. that poor guy that I think he took up some hobby so he could differentiate himself from his more successful brothers. It's always a, always a good idea. I, I speak from experience. Um, <laughs> let's let's move to the left wing. <laughs> much much competition for places. Uh, yeah. I've started with uh, Nicola Sansone. Okay. Who I was wondering where we're going to get to him. Has a brilliantly Italian name, although he currently plays for Villa Real in Spain. Although he is on loan at Bologna. Yeah, he's at Bologna right um, now. Born in Germany to Italian parents uh, and has played three times for Italy. Now, and this one I think takes some explaining because it's a little bit of a private joke. Um, <laughs> don't get me wrong, Nicola, is very handsome, but um, you were talking, we were talking at the beginning of the pod about the different places I've seen po- football in the different um, leagues I'm interested in and when I first the first time that I went to watch football in Italy, which was 
the end of 2013, I believe, um, we were going to a Parma match, which is where Sansone was at the time. And I loved him. And my friend Jack actually gave me his kit. <laughs> um, like the one that he had, he bought a new kit and gave me his old Sansone kit to wear at the match. And it was like the one game he didn't play that season. So make a trek to Parma of all places. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't get to see the player that I'd adored for the entire season. Um, so it's kind of a random pick. He's not one of the best players, obviously. He's at Bologna, although he did score last week, I believe. Um, but for me, it's just both that he has an adorable smile, and that I am still upset that he was not there. <laughs> yeah. Before uh, we did, uh, we, we we started this. I made a little crib sheet for Ian of uh, the players and sent it along, so he would just have a, a, a at a glance visual reference for all yep. of these players. And I've got it open here, and his eyes are just boring into me, his smouldering eyes. <laughs> he does have rather sm- smouldering eyes. They're, they're bedroom eyes. Uh, I, I'm going to have to ask him to put those away. <laughs> <laughs> now you see why I was so upset that he yeah. was not present at this game. Yeah. I, I mean, it does seem w- willful on his behalf. I don't really understand his reasoning. Let's move up front, uh, but stay on the left. Let's stay on the left, because this team has got an inside and an outside left and and a left winger. The only thing it's lacking <laughs> is a left back. But yeah. who needs? I think we'll get to that actually. Ezekiel Lavezzi, Argentinian, uh, left-sided forward, uh, played in the 2014 World Cup final. He did, like for what five minutes or something. <laughs> so he's not very beloved by he, the Argentinian he, team. He started the game. Um, okay, but. Obviously, didn't make a huge impression. Uh, he he's played for Estudiantes San Lorenzo Napoli, which presumably is where you uh, first made his acquaintance. PSG, and he now plays for Hebei China Fortune. Oh, he's in China now too. See, that's how well I've followed him. There has been an unfortunate incident in uh, Lavezzi's past. Uh, when once he signed for the China club, he was involved in a furore over a Instagram post where he was uh, photographed making, quote, Chinese eyes. Oh, no. He has uh, since apologised for this. And we'll, we'll chalk it up to experience. Maybe in Argentina, they're not as far along with their journey. Maybe. Maybe it's like Uruguay and the things that Suarez says and... Bites. Bites. Yeah. <laughs> he's also he's also won uh, an Olympic gold medal. So uh, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. <laughs> but he, he's got an Olympic gold medal, at least, to deflect it. That's pretty sweet if you think about it, isn't it? I'd like an Olympic gold yeah, medal. why not? He is, I mean, he is another, he's, a, he's another dashing and attractive man. I have mm-hmm. unfortunately picked the uh, picture for the crib sheet where he's doing 
the the thing that yes, he had didn't you he just. had to apologise for. Oh, Although it that, did yeah. say under it did say underneath his uh, underneath his name, it did say he's since apologised for this yeah, picture, right. and and so, he has. You know, that's something. And he's least. you know he's still playing in China, so presumably they've either forgiven him or he's just so good that they've forgiven him. I'm not sure about that. Uh, he's he's kind of one of those players where if he wants to turn it on, he'll turn it on, but. Uh, is probably just there to get the cash that he's been chasing for quite some time. It's funny, yeah. I want him on my desert island, but there's two reasons. One, the man looks incredible without his shirt on. That's the picture you should have picked, quite honestly. It was my screensaver in law school, and oh, let me tell you how it helped me through some of those... <laughs> boring, boring outlining days. Um, but he's also, it, we'll get to this, he's part of the Holy Trinity of Napoli um, when they were amazing under Mazzari. And so he obviously had to come along on the island because we couldn't have just two of the three. Yeah. And, and also, you know, if he, his attitude towards people of other ethnicities doesn't um, buck up, you can always eat him. Because I don't know how how much wildlife there is on this desert island. Perhaps Jan can cook him up. Yeah, cook him up, and it's he looks interesting. Interesting that we're 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 not on side with uh, we're not on side with racism, and rightly so. But we are we're we're a bit more equivocal about cannibalism. <laughs> Needs must a bit more, a yeah. bit more. We are, in fact. We seem to be cons- we seem to be treating cannibalism as yeah. the answer to racism, <laughs> which is an interesting perspective. Well, I think it's just he would be the first to go if the racism shows up. Yeah. Well, it, uh, you know, my perspective you, you, here is that what cannibalism is on a needs must basis, and there yeah. there is no needs must basis justification possible for racism. Therefore, cannibalism is better than racism. And he does look like he'd give a good crackling. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> those, those crispy abs. Oh, oh dear, dear. The centre forward in the team is Luka Jovic, uh, another Serbian player. He's, he's the, I believe, the youngest player um, on the team. Uh currently playing with Eintracht Frankfurt and the youngest ever player uh, to play in the eternal derby between Red Star and Partizan. He was 16 years, 9 months and 25 days, which is quite young when you think about the bear pit (laughs) that that is that derby. Yeah, that takes some brass balls, (laughs) doesn't it? Yeah, I got a lot to say about that, actually. Um, first, also, he's the youngest player to ever score in Red Star history. Um, yeah. So we can add that onto his list of accomplishments. Um, second, I saw him in that derby. And I did not realize he was only 16. <laughs> <laughs> and I developed quite the crush until I was informed of his age and that perhaps it was not appropriate for someone more than a decade older to be... You know, expressing. Such... Did, did you did you go out the next day and buy a calendar? 
<laughs> I mean, what is it? Half half your age plus seven? Isn't that the internationally established rule? Um, hang on a minute. I don't well because in the U.S. legal age is eighteen. So to me, it's like it's got to be eighteen at least. That's very true. No, you yeah, see, there is a culture in the UK. There. See, in the UK, it's sixteen because mm. we're so much dirtier bit... in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Standard of living is so much worse that we need something. <laughs> but no, it's a, it's, it's, it's. What's the word I'm looking for? It, it, um, I think under eighteen would probably still be considered skeezy. Okay. It would be. It would be considered. It may. It would be legal. Legal in the eyes of law, but not necessarily in the eyes of public opinion. Yeah, in the court of public opinion. Maybe not. So it depends on how much you care, really. You know, that's the thing. Well, that's what it comes down to. Or, like I say, calendar. Well, now I've ad- I've admitted it many times now that uh, I first he first caught my eye when he was sixteen. So I guess yeah. I can't care that much. But I do want yeah. to say that this is actually the player that I have named as I- the best player I've ever seen live. And what? I want to okay. explain this because I wrote a huge story on that first derby that I went to. And in that story, I actually say that he missed a number of chances, which is to be expected. He was 16. He was in a huge match against his team's rivals. But my theory is that this man will be, if not the best center forward in five years, then one of the top three. So I'm projecting into the future when I say that he is the best player I've ever seen live. Well, the stats the stats they... bear you out, actually. He's had a very good season this season in the Bundesliga. Um, he's scored 25 times this year. He's been amazing. See, the real politic of that starts to say, you know, it's Bayern Munich or Premier League, doesn't it? He's uh, attracted most attention from Real Madrid, but... What I learned yesterday is that there's been no formal offer made. Okay. So, I mean, I know that obviously Bayern Munich have that really terrible reputation in Germany for no no small part because they just buy up everybody else's best players. They do, but first he's on loan from Benfica, so it's a little bit different in that way. Ah, and second, okay. as long as they have Lewandowski, they don't have a huge need to fill there. Mm. So... There's not been much rumored interest from them. There's some certain people that are convinced that he might go to Italy to enter, which is crazy because Bundesliga is a better league. Eintracht will likely be in the Champions League and there's no need for him to do so. And the Italian clubs just, except for Juventus, do not have the kind of money that this man will command after this season. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, it was. It, I mean, it sounds that sounds to me like taking a step down in an inferior division for less money. Yeah, it makes no sense. Which, yeah, I mean, the, you've got the clubs <clears throat> who will always make sense. So you know, Juventus, Barcelona, um, Real Madrid. Uh, I suppose then you've you've got the 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 financially advantaged 
which, into which you probably put the rest of the top six in the Premier League. And, and PSG. You know, yeah, PSG, you know, a handful of others. But uh, yeah, you can't... I just don't really think you can put... I've, I've seen the Italian football this season a couple of times and I just don't think you can you can let you can you can rank it alongside the other leagues at the moment it's just apart from Juventus yeah unless he got a different a decent offer from Juventus which considering how much they're having to play pay a certain unnamed player right now uh is not gonna happen so it's it's pretty much looking like he'll go to Spain right now but I'm really hoping that He'll stay at Eintracht for another year because I think it'll help his development to continue to be a star at what is essentially a smaller club. Yeah, I, 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 I drift in and out with European club football, and when I when I saw that Eintracht Frankfurt were doing okay, I was like, "What what year is this?" <laughs> Just for, <laughs> Who's for the a president? moment. Yeah. Um, you are presumably up enough with European club football, Ian, to know that PSG are the masters of world evil. Uh, and they are the team <laughs> that our last starter plays for. Um, Unfortunately. Yes. Hopefully he, not for much longer. But he is, one, extremely handsome. <laughs> And two, <laughs> a brilliant football player. He's really good. Ed, uh, He's really Edinson good, Cavani, uh, Uruguayan international striker, uh, Palermo, Danubio, Napoli, PSG, um, scored 78 goals in 104 games for Napoli. And he scored 133 in 181 for PSG. Not, not least... Um, did he score some of the finest goals at the last World Cup? Where where to start? His hair, probably. <laughs> his hair, his good, cheekbones. Smile. Yep. God. Actually, he's got it what all. I want. He does have it all. He's, he's got and everything. He's part, part of that holy trinity that I was talking about. But, and this is a non-handsomeness related characteristic. I also chose him because, as anyone watching Napoli back in the, like, what, 2013, 2014 days knows, Cavani actually was a defender at times. The man could run back, clear a shot off the line, head to the other end, and score a goal. Yeah. No. And considering my limited defense, I figured this is a man that I must have on the team yeah, to like it. rescue it in certain situations. Yeah, you need that kind of David Beckham cover every blade of grass approach on a team like this. And I mean, he is a brilliant. He is a brilliant and those, player. And those cheeks, and, <laughs> and he looks amazing yeah. in a Puma kit. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, those cheekbones. He is uh, no. He is a sensation. He is a sensational football player. I mean, when the World Cup rolled around last time, um, I think he was injured in uh, the match against Russia. He scored two goals and then got injured, and Uruguay got uh, knocked out by France. Um, yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant player, and. Almost and not a biter. Not a biter, exactly. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say it's 
almost flawless record of not biting opposition <laughs> players. Yeah. Oh. And he's, again, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to close this window because again, <laughs> blimey, <laughs> distracted. I think, I think it's the desert island heat. Is either <laughs> either that or this this rather strong tasting Capri Sun. Um, <laughs> I've got my own strong Capri Sun as well. <laughs> the the manager that you've chosen to whip this team into shape is Vincenzo Montella. And I hope you have a picture of him, Andy. As I well, do. well yeah. he's he's one of the players. He's he's a player from my era. Uh, okay. So so this was this is the the portion of the program where Ian and I get to talk about how old we're getting, <laughs> because um, I mean Vincenzo Montella, uh, but he is a, he is now a manager and he's actually been a manager for some time, and mm-hmm. uh, at, at, at a number of um, the biggest clubs in Italy. He's actually back at Fiorentina now as of the last few weeks, I think. Yes. But it's the Vincenzo Mantella of post Delio Rossi smashing Adam Jajic <laughs> that I'm thinking of, which I believe is the 2013-2014 Fiorentina side. Mm. It's either... I. It's either that or twelve thirteen, but it was a terrific attacking side that made great use of the left side and interchanging attackers. What's that swap? You know, overlapping. There we go. So I felt not only is he handsome, but he knows how to attack and how to make sure his players are versatile. And he was a great player himself. Um as and I, I, I'm, I'm guessing he could come off the bench in a pinch if we need him. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, he is. He is actually. Uh, he's, he's, he's pushing the outer limits, but he's kept himself fit. Um, born in, born in June 1974. So you know, <laughs> at a pinch, I, th- I think that's very reasonable. I was very surprised to learn that he only scored three times for Italy. In 20 games, uh, two of them were against England in a friendly win <laughs> at Ellen Road in 2002. So there you go. Good old England. Um, also played for Fulham. Uh, when I did not know that. He, he fell victim to Luciano Spalletti's pioneering strikerless system in the mid noughties uh which utilized totty as the false nine as they say um mm-hmm. so a strikerless system wasn't very good for him being as he was a striker so he was packed off to play for fulham for 10 games it was yeah. it was terribly exciting at the time because it was it was like a proper football player coming to the premier league you don't get a lot of those I did not know that, and I'm just looking at it now. And apparently, he did play within the time frame that he did. I... Yeah, good job, me. The other choice that we've got is your substitute. He's also now a manager. That's right. Simply bound to make Ian and I feel incredibly old. <laughs> Frank Lampard, the man who made Frank Lampard become called Frank Lampard Senior, rather than he becoming Frank Lampard Junior. 
<laughs> I can remember Frank Lampard Sr. Just okay. I can't. I can't do that yeah. much. But at least I can remember Lampard on the pitch. So. Frank Lampard, <laughs> without, I think without any question, and uh, even Ian with his Tottenham hat on couldn't disagree, one of the outstanding English football players of his generation and one of the outstanding players in the English Football League uh, of his generation. 177 Premier League goals, which is the highest for a non-striker by miles. Um, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. It's like, it's like glad you agree. It is. He would be a good substitute, actually, to have on the bench. He provides additional um, tactical support, presumably, to Montella. Exactly. And uh, he can play everywhere on the field as well. So him and Cavani arm in arm, just sweeping up behind whatever chaos is taking place <laughs> as as the goalkeeper eats the outside left. <laughs> I mean, I know it seems like I didn't put a lot of thought into the system, but I did consider things like Lampard's ability to help out Montella mm. and his versatility on the pitch. Well, this, I mean, this is actually, this is very true. It's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a great one for these sort of, oh, it's, uh, these are the, this is the difference between men and women uh, things. But actually, I think you've given a great deal of thought to inter-squad harmony and relation. Uh, as opposed to sheer numbers and brute force, which is the way that that many men, uh, myself included, no doubt, I have I have my desert island team written down somewhere. It's an absolute disgrace. Um, and this um this team, I'm sure would uh, they would get on a lot better. You would I mean have them on the crystal maze. Commentator, we're going to need a commentator to call whatever is going to happen. And hopefully not have his head turned by cheekbones. <laughs> uh, you've gone for a commentator who comes from the British Isles, but is more familiar to people who are not from the British Isles. Derek Ray. Yes. Um, I love Derek. I've actually had the chance to interview him, not in person, but over email. He was gracious enough to answer my questions because... I wanted to write an article about the poor quality of soccer commentary in the U.S. and how he stands out amongst that group because he, to me, wow, you'd think I'd get breathless at my players, but I'm breathless trying to describe how much this man means to me to have one commentator in the United States that actually cares. He's come to me. He's shown me his notes that he takes prior to the games. He's shown me his notes he takes during the games. He has come to me, and I'm sure he's come to others, to ask for correct pronunciations of players' names if he's not able to ask the player themselves. Um, So it just impresses me that although he has... A solid standing in the community and you know commentates for ESPN commentates on international feeds does a lot of Bundesliga commentary that he's still willing to put forth the effort and to do a wonderful job calling a match rather than just sit back and say okay I've made it yeah I'll just throw out whatever I want to 
Yeah. He began his career in Scotland, uh, on BBC Scotland. He, I think, was uh, doing some student programme working for the BBC when the normal commentator was injured. Got a a knee injury, which, if you ask me, is suspect as an excuse for not being able to commentate on a match. But he got a knee injury. At least use, like, laryngitis or something. Yeah, exactly. But, no, Derek Ray, it was an ill win that blew Derek Ray some good. And he, as a 19-year-old, was parachuted in to commentate on Kilmarnock versus Dumbarton. Uh, And by 1994, uh, he'd moved to the US because he he saw the future, uh, particularly the near future uh, and the World Cup. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I mean, from your description, he does sound like... A lot. We're quite blessed, I think, in Britain with uh, very diligent commentators. I can't necessarily say the same of, of co-commentators all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are blessed with a, a diligent bunch of commentators who do their, you know, they do the hard yards. They put in the research and don't just um, rest on their laurels in quite the same way as Steve McManaman, maybe. <laughs> um let's um let's wrap up with the luxury item every castaway on the desert island gets a luxury item well this is really where the boys versus girls thing might come into play uh (laughs) not that i want to encourage gender roles but i have chosen as my luxury item la roche posay no, I don't speak French, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But La Roche-Posay moisturizer with SPF 50. Oh, that's a very good choice. Yeah, One of the best um, moisturizers with SPF. These men are going to need it to keep their <laughs> faces beautiful, hydrated, that's and true. to ensure that they don't turn bright red like, uh, I don't know, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, I mean the the potential for craggliness and looking like an old leather settee after a, a match played in a desert island. I, I think that's a very a very forward thinking um, move. As um, the SPF, we touched on it in the last episode with Terry, and he was saying that ultimately he he probably ought to have brought some sun protection, but <laughs> but had gone for. Alcohol instead. I, I've seen Terry be read from both, I believe. So, <laughs> well, that's the uh, that's the the great gift of the island race. I think is we like to we like to turn red at the merest hint of some sunshine. I don't. I I'm, I'm I I really don't go that pink. I'm so pale that I don't even burn. It just go, it just I it just, just goes yeah. through you like an x-ray. <laughs> I just yeah, just passes straight. I get I get freckles. I'm 46 years old. I get freckles on the back of my arm. <laughs> and then every then and then the then the skin all peels off and then I just revert to normal. It doesn't change color or anything. It's 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 awful. Do you think that you might be part snake? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I think I might be part um what is it that goes liquid? Butterfly. Butterflies. There you go, part butterfly. Well, 
It's, that is bringing us back to our podcast from what two days ago. That is well, it'll be uh, three months and two days ago for any for any cheapskates listening. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, three months. Yeah, yeah, cheapskates. Though rather attacking, there's a logic and a care that has gone into it that I think will certainly give them as good a chance against Brazil as any of the other teams. And no Alan Shearer to be seen. So, I mean, on that basis alone, I'm very excited. Because I've got no, I've got nothing against Alan Shearer, but, it, you know, it was getting a little Shearer heavy old. in here. I, I thought... I thought it was a bit weird. What, the Alan Shearer thing? Or not having yeah, Alan Shearer in the team? Uh, the fact that two of them in a row put Alan Shearer in the team. Well, he's a good player. He's the most white bread player I can think <laughs> that of. That was actually you know. just what I was thinking. He is. He's. He's. What's he brilliant at? How do you get a thrill from Alan Shearer? I don't. I don't. I don't know. Well, just have to ask Mrs. Shearer. I have a long-standing theory that Alan Shearer's wife is, looks exactly like Alan Shearer, just wearing a dress. <laughs> it's the yeah, it's the Sam Allardyce effect, isn't it? Don't know why I particularly think that about Alan Shearer, but for whatever reason, I, I do. I think all of his children are probably identical Alan Shearers as well, and yeah, they they all celebrate goals in the playground exactly like Alan Shearer. I blame myself for this because in an Alan Shearer free podcast, here he is again. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Damn it. Yeah. He doesn't belong on my beautiful island, thank you. No, no, no. He belongs on I I, I don't know what that island is called. Easter Island, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean they're they're a great team. I commend them to the house. Thanks very much for joining us, Kirsten. Kirsten. Thank you for having Nah, ah. I don't care. I'll I'll answer to either. Thank you for joining. Yeah, thank you for joining us, Kirsten. It was, it's been really, really fun, real fun. It was really fun for me too, and quite honestly, it was a great distraction. Um, I've had some serious health issues and been in and out of doctors' visits, and the reason that this team has so many details to it is because I use the time in between seeing different specialists to work on this team. So, I. I honestly thank you for giving me this distraction when I most needed it. Fingers crossed for you, um, because it is an extremely detailed team with many, (laughs) many nuances. So it does speak for a a misspent period of time through no fault of your own. The very best of luck with all of your um, health problems and and getting them all sorted out. If people want to find out what you're doing and uh, check in on the unusual efforts, where can they get in touch and and find you? Well, they can find me at KD Schlewitz on Twitter, but it's probably easier to find unusual efforts as that's easier to spell. And obviously that's at unusual efforts on Twitter. Um, And that's, probably the best way to get in touch and any women or non-binary persons listening to this podcast we'd love to have you write or art for us so feel free to get in touch we're very informal and we will work with youth through the entire process i absolutely second that and i've I've, as uh, somebody looking in from the outside i'm actually quite jealous 
<laughs> of, of, of the fact the only exclusionary criteria that there is to working with the unusual effort teams is is being a man and there's not is being is being, being me, me. <laughs> I, I do hope you understand why it's oh it's yeah needed, and, though. and also i'm also very supportive of 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 that yeah but at the same time what a kick in the knickers because working with <laughs> working with men sucks <laughs> such bullshit Desert Island Bitch was produced in Brighton, UK by me, a robot. Be good to each other. And seagulls. breathless at my players but i'm breathless trying to describe how much this man means to me to have one commentator in the united states that actually cares he's come to me oh fuck <laughs> sorry um sorry did i they scored, they, they scored. to oh, all God. are you <laughs> no, i think no, no they've disallowed oh. no he's disallowed it no he's disallowed it jesus no, they haven't. They've given it. No, but yeah, they have given it. <laughs> All right, what the Spurs what scored the like two. Happened? Sorry, Spurs. Are, Spurs have scored two in the two in about four minutes. But I managed to keep silent in the first one. <laughs> wow. So yeah, two all, three two on aggregate. Blimey. One more on their one more on their throw. They they have been they they're thir- twelve thirteen minutes into the second half and they have been excellent since half time. Oh, I reckon he must have stuck a rock out of their asses at half time because they've come out quite quite transformed to the to the first the Capri Sun. It was yeah, very one sided. Anyway, let, the Rocky Sun. <laughs> let's 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 move back to Kirsten's heartfelt description of a, a man who means a lot to her, shall we, Ian? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> no, we're let's move we're gonna move back we're moving back to Derek Ray. Um, sorry, for, sorry for the interrupt. <laughs> it's all right. It's just funny that the one time that I was getting actually serious <laughs> in the middle comes fuck. Yeah, that's Spurs for you.